Well, hello. Welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. This is another of our bonus episodes that we're doing between the first and last parts of our final season. And uh, today, this is a really special one that we've wanted to do for a long time. And this is, uh, we're, we're interviewing a, a group of, of incredibly talented women who are known in Burbank as the Brain Trust. And uh, we're going to get into what that means and, and who these totally amazing people are at, that we've been working with for, for, you know, off and on for most of this show. It's very exciting. So I'm just going to get right into it. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to like do this. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in alphabetical order because that's the only way I can think to do this. And um, so uh, starting with the A's. Uh, and we're going to, there are, oh, there are about 35 people on this podcast, just so you, so everybody's aware and everybody's <laughs> ready for that. Um, so everybody's going to have about six seconds to talk and, uh, and then, you know, that's it. <laughs> so, uh, starting with the A's, uh, she, this season, she was the writer's PA and she is now currently our post-production assistant and who's someone who I see every day and she was a props assistant off and on she's claudia asurmendi hey claudia hello (laughs) all right coming in next she's a returning champion in this group uh she was the writer's assistant on season six and in season five she was peter gould's assistant and uh you heard her on the american greed podcast it's valerie chu welcome back val have you have you gotten any feedback about your appearance uh, on the American Greed podcast? Not yet. I should probably check Twitter. I was going to say you should check your Twitter because I've seen some mentions. Oh. And uh, people are very upset with you. And, <laughs> you know, that's just how it goes. Uh, coming in next, she is the she was the line producer's assistant in season five. And in, in season six and perhaps beyond, she's the assistant to Melissa Bernstein. She's Clementine Donnell. And Clementine also, by the way, uh, was incredibly instrumental in uh, when Mike Behrman Trout and I were in Albuquerque. Uh, she was super instrumental in, in helping Mike uh, get on some of those sets. So uh, I know that he's uh, uh, Mike. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. So Mike, uh, I know we're both super appreciative of that. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Clementine. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Do I know letters? I do. All right. Coming in next. She's Vince Gilligan's assistant, but she's way more than that. She also worked on El Camino. Perhaps you've seen it, the Breaking Bad movie. It's on Netflix. Check it out. It's Melissa Ng. Yay! Oh. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Long time listener, first time caller. Oh, that's great. Uh, and uh, <laughs> if you could turn your radio off, caller. I can hear your radio. Is that nobody has a radio? Nobody remembers what a radio is. Um, all right, uh, coming in hot all the way. Are you? You are not. You are uh, in parts unknown. Are you not, Kathleen? You are. I, I am in. Well, now it's known. And, oh, uh, I should have kept that a secret. No, no, okay. I'm going to bleep it out so that people think it's really uh, <laughs> Ooh, I so, like that idea. secretive. <laughs> yeah. um, she's been working with us for years. She's been the script coordinator seasons three through six. It's Kathleen Williams Foshi. Awesome. Thanks for coming and doing this uh, all the way from an undisclosed location. I'm not going to tell you where it is. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep it bleeped. And then, uh, and then finally, she is. Peter Gould's assistant in season six 
and uh, is a person that I talk to pretty much every day. And even though we're all separated by COVID, she's behind this glass wall and we can kind of see there's a lot of like, there's a lot of waves. Uh, and she's it's because she's behind a glass wall. It's one of the only people you can see without a mask regularly, which is really refreshing because we're all human beings with faces. It's Joanna Zhang. All right. Well, that was and that's it. That's the whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's that's how long it took. Um, what is the brain trust? I feel like Kathleen should answer as the veteran. Oh, yeah, Val, I was really hoping for you. <laughs> Uh, the brain trust is before my time even. I think it might have been in Breaking Bad times, but don't quote me on that because I wasn't there. Um, the brain trust is a group of us lovely uh, support staff that helps out with everything from um, creating massive telephone book props <laughs> to doing legal research on oil drilling. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. To, to your point, it's you're it's kind of like a hive mind and it's 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 there's so much of it is is doing, you know, this show, we talk about it on the podcast all the time, which is also a big part of why we wanted to have this conversation, because people ask, like, wow, the details just so much attention to detail or, or um, you know, looking in that we talked about it uh, in the 606 podcast, the um, the book that uh, the vet has, you know, uh, where, where does all that stuff come from? Where do all these names come from that that get generated uh, for clearances? It, the, you're 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 hearing from them. These are the people who do that, and uh, among many other things. And um, uh, the, I guess the question I would ask, and I would you know kind of go around, like how would you first of all, how would you describe your job, and uh, and how did you come to find yourselves in it? And uh, I want to start with Joanna. Okay. You're on the um, spot. I am on the spot. We're going reverse alphabetical, I see. Um, <laughs> I would describe my job as, I mean, I'm Peter Gould's assistant. It's been really cool because I get to basically see every stage of the process of how this show has been made from the writer's room on Zoom um, all the way to now where we're in the editing phase. So I basically, sometimes people don't text Peter directly, they text me and then, or they email me and I'm the person that brings everyone else's questions and concerns or whatever to Peter and then we discuss it and then I kind of relay it, relay it back through the channels. Um, and yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of just like a crack filler, like wherever there's a crack that needs to be filled, I just kind of take the... Uh, what you can't hear on the podcast are a lot of quizzical looks, a lot of uh, a lot of curious expressions on everybody's faces. Okay. I mean, yeah, it, it's, does that make it, sense? I mean, it is. It's it's a yeah. job where I don't feel like I have like a defined. You know, it's not like I only do these things. I just kind of do things as they arise, and you know, sometimes it's legal. I used to be a lawyer. Um, I wanted to get into and that. so I do a lot of I do a lot of the legal stuff and. Um, working with Peter on, on the legal scenes and the dialogue and yeah. And what I, what I left out of the intro, because uh, guys, I have no training at hosting or a podcast or a radio show or anything. I am just a, I'm just a, a, a simple filmmaker. Um, but uh, uh, all of you, I would think, I believe the exception of Clementine, you're, you're, you're all writers and you're, you're, you know, that that's your aspiration. That's what you do in your life. And this is, 
you know, these, these jobs are a way to work your way up through that. And Clementine uh, is an aspiring producer and, uh, you know, working with one of the best in the biz is, um, you know, a great way to do that. And Clementine actually, I, I, well, we'll get into it. In fact, we did talk about it a little bit also on the 606 podcast, I think, uh, how, what, what an integral part you were in producing that, um, the, the photo shoot for the, the, uh, the, the PI's photo shoot, what a like weirdly complicated thing it was to do that. And it just, it, we, we, we were raving about it on the other podcast. Thanks. Yeah. I, it wasn't just me, like, uh, our producer Trina did a ton of that as well. And I don't, I don't know if you could call what I did producing. <laughs> it was just like, uh, <laughs> well, was, Peter gave you like, all the credit and that's the, that's the, that's the truth. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, actually. I mean, it was like kind of stressful. And I don't, I think it's funny for all of us, like reading the scripts this season, like you get to little things like so-and-so takes out a legal brief or like so-and-so looks at photos of XYZ and you're like, ah, because <laughs> And that's how we read the scripts now is with an eye toward with terror in your hearts yeah Yeah. like oh god what fresh hell um but yeah it like there were so many still photos this season that was a really big thing um well well, how 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 would the same question to you how would you describe your job and how did you uh, come to find yourself in it uh well i i was living in new mexico and i got hired um locally as the line producer's assistant last season Mm -hmm. um and that was Princess Nash and she was really great. And um, I felt like I was her goblin. Like she was really tall and she would walk around <laughs> that with these long legs and I'd be like scurrying after her. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was awesome to work for. And as part of that job, I would help Melissa and her assistant who is um, Amy McPherson, who was really great. Um, and so I got to know Melissa and I would, help her with stuff and then um at the end of the season she was kind of going off and starting her own company um and so she asked if I wanted to move to LA which I did um so I've been working with her since then and then you know we like we're kind of not doing too much during like the pandemic lockdown but then we you know went back to New Mexico um for production on season six and um I I don't know I guess my job is um, like a, a big part of this show is um, while the creators are like in LA writing and, you know, like this season, like starting post very, very early, um, making sure that they still see like everything that's going on camera um, and that everything, like all the departments are in sync with the creators. So um, uh, I feel like that sounds like a a lovely like creative thing but it really the reality is like just a crap ton of emails back and forth and pictures going everywhere and trying to make sure that you know everyone sees what they need to see and everything is like up to the standards of the show um that's, that's like, a critical a part, part of it yeah, yeah that's a huge part of this show um it's the standards the, are like, very high and the attention as the the aforementioned attention to detail it's is uh is something that 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 is such a huge part of what makes the show good yeah yeah like I mean you know Peter and Vince and and all in addition to each episodic director like they you know they'll look at the costumes that the background are wearing like that you know they look at everything um and it's all part of it um 
so it's a <laughs> so it's sending a lot of emails to that effect um yeah yeah you know the first movie i worked on which was like over 20 years ago which is that's too long it's uh, i should probably retire um <laughs> i'm getting i'm so i'm so exhausted Oh, no, but the first the, is it was uh, on location and I heard the expression that like every movie, like somebody, somebody, a, a local crew hire, somebody, quote, joins the circus, meaning they like get the bug or they, they work on this thing and then they move to L.A. or they move to New York and and they they, you know, they pursue the thing. They, they you know, they they get out of the just, you know, just a small town girl living in a lonely world and they took the midnight train to Hollywood. And, uh, you know, another person who did that uh, from New Mexico is Claudia. Am I right about that? Claudia, you were also living in New Mexico, yeah? Yeah, I was, I was. How would you describe your jobs, uh, plural, like starting with, with the stuff that you were doing uh, in earlier seasons? And then uh, in addition to that, you were also doing a lot of the, the Spanish language translation, were you not? Yes, I started doing that in season five. So I did that for season five and six. And for season five, I was still living in New Mexico. So I got to be the onset uh, Spanish translator, which was really cool. I was able to uh, work with the actors and just, you know, tell Tony not to say what he was about to say. Just kidding, no, Tony's <laughs> great. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was great. So I went to film school in Las Cruces and I did this uh, indie feature right out of college and I met Trina Sayopi, who's a producer. And at the time she was actually, because she is so multi-talented, she was the stunt double on uh, that movie for for Rumor Willis. And I met her and she saw me working and she's like, you, she, she asked me then and there to join the circus and move to Albuquerque. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So I moved to Albuquerque and I started doing props. And uh, my job doing props, I mean, just like uh, Clementine was saying, you read the script and you're looking at all the, the things that pertain to you. I mean, when you're in props, it's, it's every other thing pretty much, you know, it's like, uh, what you don't think about, you know, watches, rings, uh, all the, all the stuff that isn't in the script that, uh, sometimes, you know, adds a lot of, uh, character and anyway, all this to say that it was a, it was a, a fun time, a roller coaster of, uh, learning a lot. And while I was on set doing props, I, I'm Mexican. So I, I know Spanish, it's my first language. And uh, somehow Trina, when she started producing, asked me to, to jump in and make the Spanish top notch. And I said, sure, I'll do it for you. <laughs> Just like that. You're like, fine, I'll do it. I mean, if that's what you that's want me to do, uh, fine. Uh, Spanish, Honestly, great. Chris, yes, that's exactly. Right. <laughs> um, you've done it for me too, because it, it, uh, I. Spoiler alert! I don't know if you can tell from my voice or my face, but Spanish is not my first language, and uh, nor is it any of my languages. I I can understand some of it. Um, working on Narcos season three uh, helped that a lot. But like I've said before, you know, a lot of cutting, no matter what language it is, you're just kind of like trying to find the music and the rhythm of the of the words, as opposed to, you know, what what the the language actually is. 
but you were incredibly instrumental in some of these long Spanish scenes, especially um, in, uh, uh, oh shit, in an episode I can't talk about yet. Um, but you were uh, incredibly instrumental in you, you were uh, recording uh, the, 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 like a, um, a sort of some lines of dialogue um, so that I could understand what it was supposed to sound like. Uh, as opposed to um, what was being said, so that that was incredibly helpful. Um, sort of like it was give, giving me kind of like a like musical cliff's notes, sort of for for the the language. So that really that was incredibly helpful. You're welcome. I'm glad that it helped. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have to I have to say that I never really. <laughs> it's the first time that Spanish is like got me a job and it opened my mind to being like whoa I know I should be like doing this I know this language and uh thanks mom I just want to thank my mom for making me speak Spanish at home and not allowing me to speak English when at home so I uh, have my my mom's best friend since they were children uh she's a teacher and she's she's uh uh English is her first language, but she teaches Spanish. And when her kids were born, she would only speak Spanish to them. And they were bilingual from, you know, the jump, which is uh that's such a, that's an awesome trick that your, uh, that your parents pulled. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, very I, nice. Very nice. I, I should probably tell her that at some point. And, um, you know, then I, I, I've always wanted to pursue writing. So I, I moved to LA and, and I was lucky enough to, to get, you know, a job as the writer's PA, which was a strange uh, job because at first I was told it was going to be a lot of uh, prop docs and, and, and like the day-to-day -day of the office. That's mostly what I would do, but then, you know, 2020 pandemic and. Uh, Two weeks into it two weeks into it, but you know, it was a great experience. I got to listen in every day in the zoo room and just, uh, really it was, I've, I feel like I've done like, uh, around the world of filmmaking at this point, you know, and it's, it's awesome. Um, and yeah. And then I just rolled over into post and that's been really interesting. I do like in, 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 uh, as the writer's PA, I did re some research and, you know, helped with certain uh, research projects, copy, that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I also get everybody's lunch. So I know everybody's order. And I just really wanted to make sure that everybody knew that I know exactly what people eat. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, as a post PA, I, I do all a little bit of all of that some research after the fact like when we have to do visual effects on on a shot or a graphic i do a lot of research as to like what it would look like and uh i've done some research for uh stock footage and i i remember being really excited when one of the shots i found made it into the show another reason to call my mom then so it's all <laughs> it's all good it's been a really great learning experience and I love being part of the Saul family. So you, you have been instrumental in in uh, obviously both in the in the writers' room and the props, but also in 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 us doing things and making it doing it right again. That attention to detail, and um, 
which speaking of attention to detail, uh, I think one of the, uh, I mean, Jen, Jen wrote this down, but I, I was about to say it before I even saw it, that uh, what an exhausting and stressful job script coordinating is and, <laughs> and how difficult it is to express to somebody who has never done it or been around it. I, 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 in fact, I used to, um, uh, a former partner of mine had been a script coordinator. And so I saw it, I mean, I got a really like, you know, uh, on the ground view of it. Um, but, but Kathleen talk about the job. I mean, how, how, how would you describe script coordinating? What is it? And how did you get into that position? Uh, script coordinating is proofing and formatting all scripted materials from the writer's office and then distributing them to all people who need them. It's quite literally making sure everybody's on the same page. <laughs> and, um, I got into it, um, uh, sort of by chance, because I definitely wanted to pursue writing. And it was um, a college professor of mine in, in Chicago that was like, well, why don't you try script coordinating? There's this pilot coming out. And why don't you, uh, they, they don't, they're, they're not wanting to fly somebody out from LA and they're willing to take on a newbie. And I just handed, which that doesn't usually happen. Usually you have to be a writer's PA first um, and then and then grow into it. Um, so I was on some Chicago shows for a few years, and then I got on with Saul on happenstance that I, um, I used to work with Kristen Schnauz, which is Tom Schnauz wife. Oh man. I happened to be able to get an interview and I passed the tests. I passed the smell test. From that, did you and, and your family move out to Los Angeles? Yes. Well, I had been in Los Angeles, um, a, a year or two prior to that. Aha. So yeah, because they, you know, you don't want a script coordinator to be that far away from the writer's room. And so we made the trek out there. Um, and at that point, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a family yet. And it mm -hmm. was like, and it was in LA and it was actually, um, you know, the Better Call Saul, I don't know how often it's talked about, but the team is so um, th there's always that joke going around about Better Call Saul babies, like putting it together a calendar of all like the Better Call Saul children, um, <laughs> and and they're all and there's always like children running around the office, sort of, and and everybody and loves to have. It's like it's like when people bring in their dogs, which that also happens in our office too. <laughs> Although you have to get special dispensation from the building to bring your dog, whereas um, in, in pre-COVID, oh yeah. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, because the, the only person in our office who whoever brings their dog is Diane, and that's because she and she had to get they had to get written permission from every single play, uh, like business renter in the entire building. The entire uh, building, not just that uh -huh. floor. Uh huh. Mm. And uh, there are a couple other dogs, you know, and they may have changed those rules, but um, but we love we love when uh, now, dogs just, and children come. <clears throat> I just want to say about the dog thing. Uh, I asked recently to see if I could bring my dog and the building said, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> so, and then I said, well, there's a lady on the first floor, not to out this woman, but she has mm -hmm. two puppies and she brings right. them in and like, they, they're always there. And mm -hmm. he said, well, those are emotional support animals and you have to bring the right documentation. And 
I want to just pitch this idea that like I am the emotional support for my animal. So like I need to bring him. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're an emotional support human. I like that. Do you think that'll work? It does. I, I do it every day for Walter, my dog. It, named after Walter White, uh, the lead character in Breaking Bad. Of which, uh, of which Better Call Saul is a spinoff, and also a spinoff was El Camino. And uh, someone else who worked on El Camino is, uh, is, is Melissa. Mel, how did you find yourself in that job, and how would you describe it? What is, what is it like working for Vince Gilligan? Is it just, as he says, mayonnaise sandwiches and hot dogs? And, and uh, what, what's, uh, talk about your job. Um, beautiful transition. Uh, <laughs> it Flawless. is a lot of hot dogs and mayonnaise. <laughs> Much like uh, Clementine and, and Joanna, I'm also a, I don't want to say crack filler. I think <laughs> um, Vince likes to tell us a story a lot about a guy he met one time who had a giant yacht that had its own shadow boat that would follow it and like bring the things it needed and like support the yacht. So I kind of feel like I am Vince's shadow boat. <laughs> Whoa. I heard the shadow yeah. boat story. I That's know. I'd never, I'd never put those things together. That's awesome. Yeah. So that is what I feel like is my job. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. I did start uh, during El Camino. Like I got hired right before that. And I think even when I was calling Jen to like, tell her how excited I was to come on board. She was like, oh, by the way, like, are you good to travel? And I was like, sure. And she was like, we have something that might be coming up where you might have to travel. And then like, you know, a few weeks later, I like went to New Mexico for five months. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's great. Um, it's Vince is awesome. I mean, dude lives up, lives up to the hype for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Fa so. famously, famously um, a difficult, mean. That's his reputation, right? Yeah, just yeah, the nicest impolite. guy in the world. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy when you actually meet somebody like that, where it's like, oh, it's not just bullshit. Uh, no, you're actually dude. just like a like a real human being. He lives up to the hype for sure. Um, so it's great, you know. I get to I travel with him when he goes to set and. Uh, help out when he's directing and then I got to also listen in on the room and you know do brain trust things and come up help come up with names for things and uh you know we got to come up with a fake you know prescription drug that we almost made a website for <laughs> uh the new millifor um drug which I hope my parents are proud of as their physicians but um <laughs> oh that's right uh, I forgot that that was yeah new millifor yeah um, so yeah, it's kind of just, I drive him to set, you know, we spend a lot of quality time together doing that kind of thing. And, um, I just get to learn from the best and everyone else around is the best. So it's great. But you're, you're, and you're being, you're being modest as, is, as everybody, by the way, let's, let's, let's knock all this modesty out. Um, because you also curated the art book, which we can get into with, with Jen and Clementine and co-produced the DVD with Jen and Val, Val, who will, we still have yet to talk to on this podcast, two hours into this podcast, we're, we're still, but, um, and you wrote the snow globe short. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes stuff like that comes up too. And I feel very Her lucky. Academy that. award nominee, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> 
what? yes and i How did that I, happen i don't know i got very lucky right place right time but uh i've been a big fan of him for a long time so that was that was pretty awesome big same since friday night lights yeah, yeah. landry all the way landry. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, except season two, Landry. We can all agree. That I was mean, madness. Yeah. Look, mistakes were made. Everybody <laughs> makes mistakes. It's not his fault. It's not um, his fault. No, no. Well, speaking of favorites for a long time, um, Val, how would you describe? So you've had two different positions on this. On this, uh, you were you were Peter's assistant. Uh, you were you were doing the job that Joanna was describing, uh, and then this season as uh, as the writer's assistant, which again was a little bit of a weirder. I, I imagine. Well, you could. I I don't have to put words in your mouth because it was the COVID season. But um, but how would you describe your job? And then and and how did you how did you get first get into working with? P- Although wait, did we have you on the podcast? in season five i think so i don't remember it was either podcast or the commentary because we had because I, oh, I, mean, I was because you wrote all that stuff all that like um um uh radio like the the police scanner police stuff scanner. in 501 among many other things and uh no spoilers but uh uh certain other people on this podcast might have also written um radio blotter for a future episode that i'm not going <laughs> to talk about uh but anyway it's i'm i'm just i'm now i'm just rambling uh, t- how how did you first get that job and then how did you make the transition into writer's assistant yeah so i came to the show well first of all i just i think i've i've mentioned this before but i was i mean like so many of us breaking bad was my favorite show um, Jen and I have, uh, funny stories about just, you know, you, you aspire to be a writer and like, I would go to panels, um, where Breaking Bad writers were talking. And I just thought to myself, this is the 1% of the industry that's doing, I mean, no offense to the other shows, but like the finest television. And, you know, as an assistant, you're networking and you're trying to find any way to get on the show. Obviously Breaking Bad was huge and everybody was trying to get on the show, at the time, but um, I, you know, was on other shows, and then Dessa was actually uh, the connection. Peter's assistant before me, Dessa Townsend, who's amazing, love her. Uh, she was moving off of Peter's desk. We had a mutual friend who heard about the job, and um, I got an interview. And I think they were a couple days in already, so I slotted in pretty late and was very lucky to just get hired, but I had actually interviewed Peter for a class assignment at USC a few years prior. It was like an assignment to interview TV writers that you respected. And it was a phone interview and he doesn't remember it, but I had like done that embarrassing thing of following up every few months after and just like making sure this person um, remembered me. And I would just email him whenever Breaking Bad won awards um and then like I think he vaguely remembers now but um he in the interview he certainly didn't remember that I had interviewed him so it was kind of a dream come true getting the job to work for Peter um and yeah I had a blast he's an incredible boss he also lives up to the hype of being like nicest man in television um I did you know yeah Joanna can attest um I did you know things uh, that Joanne already described, but to a 
less uh, impressive degree. She has far eclipsed me as Peter's no, sister. No. But yeah, like going to set was my favorite part, just kind of shadowing him. I had I had gone to sets before with showrunner bosses, but not any who directed. So that was cool. And then um, in season six, Ariel uh, Levine, our former writer's assistant, got promoted. She got staffed. And um, and then I moved into the room as the writer's assistant. There was a bit of a, a shuffle to get there, but um, that was, yeah, that was a couple weeks um, into the pandemic. We moved into the Zoom room and credit to Jen Carroll, who, you know, as with everything, made it so that we could get on Zoom every morning. It was a lot of trial and error. We tried a lot of the other um, uh, uh, video conferencing programs and somehow kind of like limped our way to Zoom for what would end up being a year in the room. And I mean, as much as it was everybody every day wishing that we were all in person. I think for me personally, it kind of saved <laughs> my life and my mental health, just having something to wake up to every morning. You know, we would, a, a large part of my job was just, um, I don't want uh, our listeners to think that the writers don't do work, but I would pull up uh, videos on YouTube for like kids in the hall sketches, key and peel sketches, um, just things that they wanted to watch when they were tired of looking at a screen at each other. Um, and then obviously the, the writer's assistant position is, is pretty straightforward. You're taking notes on all the pitches in the room. Um, I think on this show, it's very important to write down dialogue pitches because they're so um, like, I think I mentioned this on the American Greed podcast. They're really great about sort of acting out the scene together and so much of the dialogue right. that's pitched in the room actually ends up in the script um and so that was the most important part of my job I think was like getting those dialogue pitches I I always go back to this analogy that um a supervisor of mine said early on in my career of the writer's room it's like kind of watching and it applies to this particular room perfectly it's like watching the Lakers play so every day I got to, yeah, I got to observe their brilliance and um, and also just like part of the job being that you're, you're kind of in a way supposed to know what's been pitched in the story a little bit better the writer, than the writers in the sense that, you know, you're, you're absorbing all that information and then at the end of the day, you're compiling it into a readable document that they can later digest. Because if you look at my, what we call raw notes, it's just everything that they've said. And then by the end of the day, part of the job is like, um, you know, organizing them into readable pitches. So just seeing them up close, I am absolutely a better writer, storyteller. Like my brain works totally different because I've been able to see, you know, their brilliance in action. Um, and now I'm rambling, so I'll stop. Not rambling at all. And I think you're, I think again, you're also being modest. I mean, the, the, just for the audience, think about writing down 
everything everybody says in the room that you're in. Let's say you're in a room with, I don't know, six, eight, ten people, and they're just spontaneously saying things. And, and they're not even just having conversation. They're trying to generate conversations that other fake people will have. And they're just coming up with this. Oh, you know what? That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Well, you're writing all of it down. And then later you're trying to make sense of it. That's a huge job. Uh, it's also a huge job for your hands. Like that's, it's so much writing. Yeah. You know, uh, also you're, you mentioned that zoom room. Um, I heard uh, a little bird told me a little bird named Jen Carroll, who is, uh, as always is lurking in these zooms. <laughs> won't participate. It's, um, it's interesting. It's interesting, Jen. No yeah, comment. Oh, she, she just she's commented in, in the, in the chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, uh, that, that zoom room, which, you know, so I, I, and I, re, I remember this, that like for the first year, I don't, P, Joanna, you hadn't even met Peter, right? In real life. Oh yeah. I was hired in early July and I was in 2020, every 2020, everything was over zoom. No one knew what below my clavicle looked like. And, uh, it stayed that way for at least six months. Um, never <laughs> met it, it was pretty great because there were all these theories on how tall I was. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> lots of theories. They were on and, the, the, uh, the BCS subreddit, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we very knew tall. she was tall. We yeah. knew very it tall. Was, it was, She's yeah. a tallie. I'm a tallie. But, um, but yeah, no, it was super fun because Peter was, I mean, Peter's just a, a wonderful, thoughtful, kind person. And he knew that because I'd never met anybody in person, he wanted me to be more comfortable with everyone. And so in the beginning of every writer's room Zoom, he used to popcorn call on people and say, hey, you know, Allison, how's, you know, how's Iris's Model UN project? Or how's, you know, how's the show that you're watching? What episode are you on? Like, let's talk about it. And just kind of follow up on the weekend or follow up on the night before. And he'd do that. And um, I guess a few weeks in, he was like, Joanna, why don't you, take it over today and popcorn call people. And, and so I, I would do that, but I would come up with the most awkward transitions between people. Like just, they didn't make sense. Um, but they were I, fabulous. They were, just I, like I, on this they, podcast. They, yeah. A lot of crack filling kind of things, you know, just going back to crack filler here. Really but hitting that was, hard. <laughs> yeah. Just really hitting that hard. But it was funny. Cause I remember I, I started to do it. He'd do this to me like one. Peter would do this to me. He would call. He would tell me <laughs> to popcorn call people once once a week. And then I remember there was one day, uh, Peter Peter started doing it himself. And Vince goes, Peter, I want Joanna to do this. <laughs> like I think I remember him being like, it's. He just he said something like a joke, and it was funny. And Peter was like, okay, Joanna, why don't you do this? And so then it turned into two times a week. And then I think one day Peter was just like, Joanna, why don't you just take it over from here? And so it just turned into a show called Morning Flow with Joe every morning. And it was a 45-minute extravaganza. No, it was, sometimes it was shorter than that. Sometimes um, she would sing. Yes, I had variations of theme songs. Um, and... Yeah, oh, I, it, I think that. I had a lot more like chutzpah because no one had met me in person. So for all they knew, I could be a bot and I could just be ridiculous. <gasps> and Whoa. so I, I think I had more 
like I just had no shame when I was doing it. And then I met everyone in person and thankfully the writer's room had ended then. And so then it was, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so, yeah, I, I was, I was really hoping you would say morning flow with Joe. Cause I needed to know more about that. And I didn't yeah. need to know like what that, what that was. And that's, I was, that's yeah. Cool. Also, what is it? I've never heard popcorn call before. That's, that's a new term for me. Oh yeah. It's like popcorning. You like throw a little kernel over there and well kernel over there it's like t calling at random and i would always end with peter and vince so that was but, are, but how often are you throwing popcorn at people this is that's Every i think that's morning. assault that's a yeah. if that's in real life that's yeah. assault yeah and i don't well, and and we and the podcast do not support that kind of stuff we don't we don't but it happened chris <laughs> wow well this is wow this has been illuminating um <laughs> Uh, I have a question for all of you. I was kind of go around. Um, I just want to ask if you have a favorite memory from your time on the show or something you're particularly proud of doing. Um, it could be something, it could be anything. I'll start with an idea. I'll start with a prompt. Uh, and I don't, Kathleen, I don't know what you're most proud of, but I did want to, I did want to ask you and, and maybe, maybe this is what you're proud of. Maybe not, but you, you co-wrote the, uh, the now available AMC plus animated series, Slip and Jimmy. Slip and Jimmy. Yeah. yeah with, with Ariel and, and, uh, um, I, maybe, maybe that's something you're most proud of. I don't know. Um, but. But no, while Chris, everybody's thinking about their proud moment, uh, what was that? What was the experience of that like? Uh, amazing. Uh, Slip and Jimmy was this really funny idea, like nugget of an idea that got tossed around for like the last three years. And it was um, that you just have a limited animated series, like with a handful of episodes following Jimmy and Marco when they're kids in Chicago just antics being all sneaky and sly and and just have a lot of fun with it. And we, um, you know, Ariel and I uh, came up with, I don't know, about a dozen pitches and it got siphoned down by Peter to his favorite six. Um, and how we sort of created, came up with the concept for the show really was to you know, Jimmy McGill, Saul Goodman on the show often, um, has like, he's a pop culture nerd almost, and he loves his movies and so his, and his movie references. And so we just make each episode a, a sort of a spoof on, you know, on a, uh, on a moderately famous movie, which was delightful. We go from one that's like a spaghetti Western to one that's about an exorcism. Whoa. <laughs> I gotta see this. I have not seen it yet. You haven't yet? Not yet. Oh. Not yet. I've been uh, I've been too busy um, working on uh, the AMC series Better Call Saul. It's a spinoff of Slip and Jimmy. Uh, it's a live action series. We we pick back up oh, with Jimmy when he's awesome. older. I should I should tune into that one. Uh, no exorcisms as of yet, but uh, I'll tell you what we got some big things planned for the second half of season six, and uh, it's all exorcism based. So, but would you say, is that, is that something that you're the most proud of? Is there, can anything else come to mind? Oh, sure. No, that definitely is what one of the, I'm most proud of, but I, I, I just have to talk about it. Cause we've talked a lot about how the brain trust names things. And one of the first things that I petitioned for, I am, I, uh, I am embarrassed to say, I can't remember 
what the first one was. Um, I think it might have been a store name. Um, but I wanted it to be called Oodoodles because I thought yes. the name was just so <laughs> funny. And it just became this weird thing where we were anytime it reasonably was an, a name for something like a milk brand. It was it almost made it as the as Chuck's soy milk brand. But they I think they made it and they because it was so large in the frame and it was too silly a word. They they didn't. They, it was like on the day they switched it to I think it's Idlewild or something like that. So like it kept the rug kept keeps getting like ripped out from under us. Um, and I think at some point it made it as one of the round table for um, uh, uh, the Madrigal fast food, the round table in Houston. As oh, one yeah. of, it was like it was like Oodoodle Noodles or something like that. But it was like one of the only of two that didn't get featured at all. Not even like in the background. It's like, ah, slight it again. But, I just want to add to the story and say that I pushed ooh. Peter hard to choose Oodoodles of Noodles. <laughs> we were on set together when he got the list and I was like, and I hadn't even known the backstory that Kathleen just filled in, but I was like, Arielle, Kathleen, and I really want Oodoodles of Noodles. So I pushed him hard <laughs> on that. He picked it. And then Melissa Bernstein, we, we told her how much it meant to us to feature that tag and I'm sorry to say this is the one time she's dropped the ball. She did not <laughs> feature Oodoodles of Noodles. I, I, I do have to say the idea of a seafood restaurant called Whisker Stays is so disgusting. It's still that that that's so gross. Everything sounds awful at Whisker Stays. <laughs> Ugh. But yeah, so I hope everybody's had some time to think about the thing that they're the most proud of. Uh, it doesn't have to be definitive, but just... Uh, just, just, uh, I would love to hear just something. And I think the audience would love to hear like something, even something unexpected where it's like, wow, I didn't realize that. Of course, uh, you know, like we talked about on the 606 podcast, of course, somebody had to write the, figure out the code and make that book. Well, I I'll add to this, uh, journey of, uh, the round table. I made all the little, the food that is brought out, you know, like I was in the back heating stuff up for that scene. I placed Chuck's milk and like reset it. And like, that's the kind of stuff that I was doing when I was doing props. So like, I, um, there's so many memories that I can't like pinpoint one thing uh, on set, but I will, there was a, I can't remember what season it was. It was the last day of filming and me and uh, yeah, Joe Boo and I were uh, throwing uh, ties from a ladder uh, down at camera for a slow motion shot. And it was like the last shot and everybody was, it was the last day and it's kind of like the last day of school. Everybody's just like wanting to get out, but it's also fun. And anyway, that was really fun to, to do that. Just like throw a bunch of ties and then pick them up real fast and throw them again. And very good exercise. Um, and yeah, I mean, food scenes are notoriously hard. So uh, I don't, I don't remember food scenes very fondly, but I did, I did, I was very proud when I uh, scooped all the ice cream for the uh, the hotel when uh, <laughs> Jimmy and and Kim are, are are staying and they order ice cream and they do this whole Sunday thing bar. And, yeah and uh, I remember um, 
I was presented with a bunch of scoopers and I, I found this one from Kim's apartment set. And I don't know why, like, I just, I started using that one and it was like the perfect scoop. And I still think about that scooper. So anyway, uh, lots of memories and mostly I think just working with everybody and it's, it's the most supportive team. Like I, I couldn't have made it through 2020 or any of the rest of this season of my life in LA without the people I've met on this show. So lots that's of interesting that you think of your life as seasons. I do. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how it is. I think is. that's a good way to look at it because it is, it is, especially in the work that we do where it's like, there's a beginning, a middle and an end, and then you start your next kind of season or chapter. Yeah. You can have that's that. Awesome. You can, you can use that, Chris. It's good. I won't. <laughs> No, I love it. I, I think I will actually. I'm gonna start saying like, you know, and now I'm I'm kind of excited at like what's happening on like you know the next like half season of my life. You know, now we're because I'm right now there's nothing going on, and um, so we're on. I'm on like a life hiatus. Um, Sometimes that's good. Sometimes yeah, that's good. It can be. Yeah, it's so funny. You guys talk. You talk about. A lot of you talked about like July 2020 or the entire year 2020 of like this, the room saving your life. And uh, I really wish that I had been in that room because um, if you see a picture of me from July 2020, it's uh, it's not a portrait of mental health. Uh, I had a big beard and a long hair. I looked, uh, in fact, I looked a lot like uh, like an even bushier, uh, less handsome Bo Burnham in his uh, Inside special, which I highly recommend. Inside. Um, that was an impressive beard. Oh, hey, th- thanks, pal. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. It was not. Uh, it was. It was not a great time. But uh, Clementine, what, what's something that you're super proud of, or what's a skill that you feel that you've you've learned from the show, or what what? Uh, how has this show changed your life in five words or less? Go. Um, I, uh, I mean, I came to LA because of that, because of the show, um, which is pretty awesome. And I work for Melissa now, which is like the best job I've ever had. And she's so great. Um, uh, I, this last season, I guess, um, when, when she, when Melissa directed, uh, episode five, um, Mm -hmm. Usually Melissa and I are more in the office and we're doing prep for um, the next episode that's going to shoot. Um, and Trina is the person who is on set producing. Um, but we kind of like switched places because Melissa was shooting. So I was on set with her and Trina was back doing prep. And um, shooting TV is hard. I don't know if you guys have heard about that, but it is. Um, (laughs) and, uh, I mean, I'm kind of just proud that I like made it through, but, um, it was really awesome to like be on set with Melissa because I can ask every question and not feel stupid. Um, and I feel like I learned a lot over that episode and, um, like working with Marshall or DP was really fun. Um, and like, yeah, just learning from from him and Melissa and our AD Rich and like everybody, uh, that was really really cool. Um, and then I, I'm also pretty proud of those pictures. Those were th- those were pretty cool. That was a fun was day. You also, I'm told, coordinated those disgusting dead body photos in 602. Oh my god, I did do that. 
I liked that because I got to spam everyone's phones with pictures of a gross dead body. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, because I mean, those shoots, it's just like taking pictures of pictures to send to people to see mm-hmm. if it's what they want. And like Vince was like, grosser, 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 make it grosser. <laughs> like it was, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think we had one of our, our customers, um, Ashley was there and I think she had worked at a haunted house. I think she had said, so she was like in charge of like charring up the body even more. And like, uh, it was, it was, it was like so ridiculous. It was really funny. Um, and we had some great stills photographers, Greg Lewis and, and John Britt from Albuquerque also worked on the other, um, shoot and they were so awesome and like yeah for that for the the stills it was fun because it's like surveillance photos but also they're fake surveillance photos because like it's all staged anyway so like finding that line of like making it look secret but like fake like having a branch in front of it that actually looks really you know like it, it was fun it was uh it was a good time and we got actually um a lot of our PAs and people from set are in those they play the clients which which I think really works because they're very sketchy people just across the board <laughs> <laughs> hey hey before I, I I we're still going around and I know I know we're like out of time but I and I and I because I know everybody has you know jobs that we all have to do but I uh I did we did I opened the uh, floodgates to questions from the audience for this mailbag episode that we may or may not do. And uh, uh, we got a question that I, we actually got several questions that I think are pertinent to, to more to, to you guys. But um, Ray B uh, asked about in order to maintain continuity in Better Call Saul and back or forward to Breaking Bad, is there some kind of Gilliverse Bible? If so, who maintains it? And how often is it referred to in the writer's room? And what does it look like? I think it looks like Jen Carroll. <laughs> yeah, Jen Carroll. And- Those are our- Je- like- Je- I, I think Jen Carroll would, would beg to differ with you because I, I know Kathleen, you're super involved in that as well. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I, it is to be said that Ariel Levine early on created a uh, very comprehensive uh, packet of every time we've ever mentioned dates or or uh, uh, specifics of like preferences that characters have and and where they went to school if they like name dropped it or what their who their favorite teacher was like there's like really random things that you'd never think you'd come back to but it was all in there and so she had this she had this big packet of stuff of information and on this last uh, season, um, Jen, you and I worked on it, but it was also a, a big brain trust project, which was um, a timeline. It was a Gilliverse timeline that had El Camino, it had um, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and, and even to the point of like when they were born and when they went to college, you know, we had this huge Chuck McGill, um, uh, what would you call it? It was this big timeline for his memorial of like what his life events were. And if you, um, and if you, it was featured in the episode um, where they were dedicating the law library to Chuck McGill. Mm-hmm. And it's, I wish it was featured more because so much went into that. 
um, based on anything we've ever talked about with Chuck, including the fact that he graduated high school at age 14. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, so that's that's like Doogie Hauser over there. <laughs> yeah, very much so. That's awesome. I didn't I didn't know that you guys had done that. And that that's uh, that's that's fucking awesome. I think it really helped the um, writer's office in particular as we started on season six in particular. Uh, you know, we actually we had another question that is pertinent to this group um, from Christopher K who said, I've always thought BCS is to legal dramas what Das Boot is to submarining. Um, very strange comparison, but you know what? I like it and I'm going with it. Um, and uh, Christopher talks about just how how everything is just nailed. Uh, all the lawyers on the show are damn good. The courtroom presentation of audible big gulp slurping and half-functional overhead halogen lighting. Do you all have some legal eagles in the writers' room or production teams? And uh, and Joanna and and I, and all of you. I mean, how 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 much of your uh, you know legal and we've talked about it on the podcast before. Like Gordon's sister has has consulted on things before. And um, but how much how much of your your sort of your legal acumen and legal background gets called upon and, and uh, is there an example of that? Um, yeah, I would say uh, quite a bit. Um, because I'm with Peter so much, uh, he runs a lot of this stuff by me, like in the script hmm. too, I, 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 I will read the legal scenes and sometimes I'll pitch, you know, how we could make the dialogue more, you know, realistic or have more legal lingo basically. Um, and a lot of it is bef well before there's a script and we think about repercussions in the story and how different legal, it's just like a lot of legal research that impacts the shape of the story. And so I, I'm doing a lot of that. Um, and like little legal things, like for example, um, there's a bar article uh, that they get Casimiro's beard from basically. Mm -hmm. And you can see like it's an award and that's a real article I wrote and it actually honored <laughs> not just Casimiro who I made up as you know where he went to law school and all the accolades and all of those things but we also made up two more characters that got awards in there and it was Jen Bryan and Steve Latecki who are on the crew um, <laughs> but just it's this attention to detail that you know and a lot of the prop docs like you you'll see the the cover page of certain motions and things and I wrote those those are real like they're they're actually, if you zoomed in, I don't think they're at the resolution where you could do that. But if, if you wanted to, those cover pages are real legal documents that I wrote. Um, and would they yeah, hold up in court? Yes, they would, Chris, they would. Um, I think they're pretty accurate and, uh, and I, <laughs> but yeah, it's just fun because it's, it's, it's real legal tidbits there and where we don't have knowledge. Like for example, if I needed to bring in a friend from my lawyer dates and we talk through things together, I, I'm able to kind of talk to like other, like my legal AUSA friend and kind of di make it digestible for Peter and, and actually apply what she said to the script and how we would make that scene work. Um, so it, it's pretty comprehensive, I would say, in terms of how I, it's just nice because I have a view of the story and what we're doing. And then I can also 
bring that in as opposed to someone who doesn't get to sit in the writer's room every day and know where we're headed. Right. But, but we are very grateful to all the legal help, the outside legal help too. I'm just more of an in-house squatter. A squatter. <laughs> Hardly. Um, <laughs> Mel, Val, either of you, things you're proud of from the show, thing, any memories, any things you especially want to talk about? I feel like uh, if, if I'm trying to think of things that I've been proud of, it's like everyone on the show is so, so detail oriented and is so uh, like focused on trying to keep track of everything at the same time. And so when you're like surrounded by eagle eye people like that, any chance that you get that you see something that maybe somehow <laughs> somebody else missed feels like a big win. And so, I don't know, I feel like there have been a few moments like that, like, and it can happen most easily, I think, on set when like, there are 5 million things that everyone is trying to, to keep track of and focus on and make sure is right. So if there's like any time where I happen to see like, oh, shouldn't her, you know, hood be down for continuity or like, oh, shouldn't, and it, like a little tiny thing that can make a difference between like having to do that shot again or, you know, having to cut around something later on or stuff like that, I think makes me feel the best. Like I actually contributed something and like there was one time during El Camino where we were like, I think in the color phase and things had been QC'd and I happened to like see a, like a reflection of a reflection of a slate or something that was like in a, a shot in a car. And I was a little like scared to, to, I wasn't even sure of what I was seeing. And like, if no one else saw it, I was like, well, surely like someone would have seen it. But anyways, I, I, I took the risk and I called it out and it, it happened to be like something that QCers, you know, had missed. And so I feel proud of that. Cause I know for a fact that Marshall still talks about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, anything to impress Marshall and yeah I, I think stuff like that if when you're like in the, in the moment or Vince makes me jump into like gear shift on like an extreme close-up of like you know the shifter in the car and like I'm the only one small enough to fit in there with the camera and like you know do that like if I can pull that off then I feel good like I was able to contribute and like not let everyone down and <laughs> I don't know I, I guess that's kind of what comes to mind for me for that stuff nice that's awesome. And also just like, I I have gotten like some of my very best friends from this show and from like this room and these faces right here. So that is also my best memory. <laughs> That's really cool. I, my favorite memory of you, Mel, is, is or, or so far, uh, is because, you know, we're sort of just getting to know you. And in season five, Tom Schnauz gave everybody, there's sort of a tradition of giving these crew shirts for uh, certain episodes. The directors or, or writers will do that. And he gave out the yellow Albuquerque shirt that it's, it's uh, similar to what uh, is worn in, in, uh, in 509, Bad Choice Road. Um, and uh, it was, it was like the look on your face. We took like a, picture this is back before we all wore masks when we stood next to each other and um and just the look on your face and because i think you were the one who was leading with the attitude of like the middle finger in our, in our <laughs> these yellow shirts and just the look on your face of just like over it it was so much it was like 
there's there this is this is a, there's a lot I don't know about this person and uh <laughs> and, and and I would like to so yeah well I also do want to say though that I was just doing my best Jonathan Banks impression because I was inspired by his fitting photo for that t-shirt where he was just flipping us off and so I was trying to channel my inner banks for that and it sounds like it came through so I'm proud of that too Perfect. Perfect. Um, and uh, Val, let's, I know we're, we're way over time and I'm so thankful to you guys for doing this, but are, are there any, uh, any, any things you're most proud of? Any things you want to talk about? I think I'm most proud of every time I made Tom Schnauz laugh. Yes. <laughs> that was a lot of times. A lot of times. Um, no, everybody here knows that I have a sec- not so secret love for Tom. Um, No, I think that like, I'll go globally and just say that like, I think like everyone, I'm just proud to have been part of the show, like a tiny part of it. You know, I have had, I've worked on great shows and I've had great bosses. So every show is a little different and and special in its own way, but it's just next level. Like, I really feel like I've peaked. I've talked about this before. I don't know how you get better than this show. And now that we're kind of starting to get into award season and people are Um, watching the episodes and responding. It's just a good feeling to see how, I mean, you know, I think sometimes when we're, we're in the factory working, like you kind of forget how television really changes people's lives. I mean, you know, I kind of watch my brother catch up on Saul and talk about how like, you know, character traits and character relationships and the way people behave, like all of that stuff affects your life and affects you know, I remember thinking to myself, like Breaking Bad before Walter White got crazy made me a more empathetic person. Um, and I just think that's so meaningful. I'm proud to be part of a show that's exploring these really hard moral questions and relationships and why people do the things they do. And I just think, I, I think we've all talked about this as kind of like the end of this era of like, sort of anti-hero television and with all these limited series and shortened seasons I just think this is like kind of the end of that you know era of television so um, I'm just really proud to have been a small part of this incredible production and then like everyone has already said meeting my best friends on the show and just having you know a lot of good a lot of good memories that's fantastic. And, and, you know, this, this show, it, it, it is, it's easy to, it's, it, no, it's impossible to overstate this. This show would not happen. It would not exist. And it would certainly not be the kind of show that you were just talking about Val without the efforts and a tremendous amount of work that each one of you has put into the show. And, you know, I, I, I'm incredibly grateful and I, I know Peter and Vince and the audience and everybody who works in the show is just so grateful for everybody's like thoughtful, creative and sort of tireless effort to making the show be what it is and has been. And uh, I just want to say thank you on behalf of uh, everybody, I guess. And um, you know, you know what this, this in the, in the, in the spirit of, of of the the hive mind of the brain trust what we normally do on this podcast is we we have one of our guests we usually do one of the actors if they're on the thing because you know 
let's, let's face it. We all watch TV for actors. We like mm-hmm. to watch the people do the beautiful things. Um, but uh, I think for this podcast, and I know it's going to sound like garbled nonsense on Zoom, but maybe for the through the power and magic of editing, uh, I will put it all together. I would love it if you would all take us out with your best kind of Bob Odenkirk, Jimmy McGill style, better call Saul. Could you guys do that for me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Of course. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, I'll 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 go three, two, one, and then uh, and then I'll I I'll put them together uh, unless it miraculously all works, which it won't. Because uh, anybody who's ever tried to sing Happy Birthday, which I know you guys definitely, there was a lot of Happy Birthday stuff going on in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, if if uh, if you can take us out, and thank you, Jen, for putting this together and manifesting these out of um, thin air and sheer will. Um, but, Jen is uh, amazing. But yeah. Thank you, Jen. Yay, Jen. We could, have a whole, hey, Jen. We, could, we could have a whole podcast about how amazing Jen is. Yes. I, I keep trying and she keeps refusing. And uh, and that's hurtful. And, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm in therapy for it. And that's 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 expensive. Um, but no, thank you guys so much for doing this. And thank you to the audience for listening. And um, and yeah, uh, without further ado. Three, two, one. Yeah, it was a total mess on Zoom, but uh, it's uh, I think it's all going to come together. <laughs>